Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review live from Las Vegas. I'm Michael Sidgwick, joined by fellow Dadly boy Michael Hamflet to discuss everything that happened on last night's show. But before we get into it, very quickly, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we preview and review AEW Dynamite, Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT Dubai. Oh! Premium live events, pay-per-views, roundtable discussions, and we host a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. If you've noticed the sound quality isn't studio, <laughs> we are in a hotel room in Las Vegas with a portable microphone. Please bear with us and stay with us because I think we've got a fun one to record today. We went to Dynamite. We did. We did. We went to Dynamite. We went to uh, Rampage. We went to Ring of Honor. We went to... The uh, AW live experience for the first time, a couple of Brits, yeah. capital B, getting to experience AW. So that will obviously inform the Dynamite Review portion of this podcast. I know for a fact that discussions in this podcast and then longer form ones that may creep out in content elsewhere yeah. over time will talk about the live experience of AW live. But trying to isolate it just to Dynamite, the example I gave to you as we were sat in seats last night was attending the best two hours of a party. Yeah. Now I'll let listeners try and infer from that what I might think about some of the rest of it, but they do nail how special the dynamite portion of the taping feels. You are very aware that you're part of AEW's most premium product. You are aware that you're seeing, hypothetically at least, the biggest stars and the biggest matches and the best, the best potential moments are set to happen right in front of you. And I felt completely like we had that... There were two moments on the show that I felt like all the years of us watching on television, oh God, I wish I was there to experience what one of them's like. And I think we got two. And I think if Dynamite delivers that to most people in most towns every week, it's why it'll remain successful even when AEW, maybe it's heat peaks and, it has peaks and troughs. It was like a hot promotion. I think Dynamite will remain a hot ticket if it kind of maintains that. That was my like overarching feeling coming out because it's different than when you watch the show and you're like, well, I like this book and I like this book in. It's just different, isn't it? Yeah, you, you know, just like... pop for the stars. Yeah. You see stars in the flesh doing star things. And like, we'll try and do some analysis. Obviously, I think that's what we're known for. But it was you do want to analyse when you're watching a live show mm. like that. Um, I'm going to be <laughs> a flown across an ocean to do something I've really wanted to do for a long time. And it's a privilege. And I'm going to complain about one thing. But I think it's a really fair one. It did not feel in the building. And I hope Double or Nothing is different. But when the thing that drives you to want to come to America at great expense or whatever, um, to watch a dynamite, 
is that feeling of a throbbing, packed in, not necessarily as big as a WWE crowd, but I'm thinking like the Fighter Fest, the Texas mm-hmm. loops for when the fans first this came This building back. was the first double enough. Huh? Yeah, and there were lots of empty seats. It really felt like a promotion that was not hot. Mm. Like still excellent at its peak, still loud at its peak, but hot it's not, and that was the difference for me. I didn't get that. Wow, everyone's going ballistic. We we'll probably will get it on Sunday. I think so. I think there's obviously, and AW know this. They've done this for years, where they've been in the same town, and WWE like it now for the pre WrestleMania Smackdowns and the like. There's obviously that idea that you're definitely going to be attending the pay per view. You might not attend the TV, so we don't even almost need to. Like Kenny Omega was not on the show in any capacity, yeah. not video package, nor a live appearance, but. Virtually everyone in that building has got to double nothing. There's no anxiety about not seeing Kenny Mager in on television. So I think that's the sort of case where you can maybe get away with not delivering your premium when you know it's on the horizon. Yeah. But yeah, another observation from last night was just how many times have we, you know, over the four years of watching it from home, done the review and then had a, a tweet in good faith from somebody that's been there live and said, I'm surprised to hear what you thought about the crowd last night because... Like I was there and it was really loud in the building. It must be it, we talked about AW's audio mixing yeah. and all things like that. I was in the building last night and it wasn't hot in the like it wasn't loud in the building. The people that were tweeting us and saying, How's it coming across on television? Because it's not loud on like watching at home. It's like, well, it's not loud here. It's not like loud. they'll pop for entrances, there was pops of stars, the matches, one in particular, really had its moments so much so that it could have gone longer than it did. But yeah, to your point, I think that throb, that just that frisson. Is only, yeah. is only there when the whole thing is firing. And yeah. I just don't think AW is at the moment. No, it isn't. I still absolutely loved it. And we're going to have fun with this review, hopefully. But I, it wasn't a quiet crowd, but it just wasn't remotely packed in that arena. We, people, I know they will, and it'll be well-intentioned. We had a blast. Yeah, yeah. I do not want this to come across like the like we're, Dadley's being miserable. No, we had off. absolutely In a sun-drenched time. hotel room in Las Vegas. Yeah. Like, it was... Like there were points where Dynamite was like a blissful out of body wrestling fan experience, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's what I wanted the, from it. The entrances, Jeff Jarrett getting popped in oh, the I mouth. Did. I was doing the dance to Garcia. Like, <laughs> it was honestly class. So uh, I only had one other complaint about the show, but we're going to get into it right now. Not the complaint, the show. I mean, Orange Cassidy opened it up by defeating um, Carl Fletcher in a just tremendous TV match that was so cleverly structured. We talked on the preview that. Was this a defence too far? Mm-hmm. Uh, who, who are we to doubt Orange Cassidy? Um, because it was just class. It was really hot um, when the action really kicked into gear. And that was from pretty much the first three seconds. <laughs> because to really get doubt cast over the outcome, when I did think, like you, you, you know that you're not going to see a change graphic <clears throat> of Fletcher with the title defending it in the blackjack. It's yeah. just not happening. So you had to turn off your mind, and we did, because some of it was just so class, the action. Um, but within three seconds, Orange Cassidy takes, from our vantage point anyway, because you could see his face, and we had great seats, by the way, mm-hmm. not to be complete dicks about it, but we had a great view of the action. Um, it looked like it had gone awry. Yeah. It was a very, very, very well-timed, like incredibly well-timed um, spot for Cassidy to be okay, because he sold it so well. He sold it as if instantly something's gone awry with my neck. I don't know what it is. It hurts. I can feel my fingers. I can keep going. And then that informed his selling throughout. And he just thought, is, this man is just a pure, brilliant professional wrestler. His fire-ups and person are great. It just feels so much more animated when you yeah. can see the flesh. There's lots of like incredible 
head drop moves. The kind of thing where if you were at home, <laughs> you might think, ah, too many bumps on the head here. Yeah. It's getting a bit excessive. When you're there live, keep going. Mm-hmm. Bump on your goddamn head. It's really informing the drama here. He snatches, um, he steals one, but in a Cassidy way, it's like, no, he's just, he had to do that. Mm-hmm. He had to survive because he was facing this huge challenge. And he's elevating challenges again. He's selling his arse off to make you think that results are, in fact, in doubt. He's doing great action for the modern audience at the same time. I thought this was perfect for what it was. There was dueling chance that you might have picked up on uh, the broadcast feed. There's also a few groans when mm. Cassidy was doing his comebacks. Do you think they might have overexposed him? Or what was your take on the slight undercurrent of anti-Cassidy sentiment? So that started with the... Aussie, 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 oi, 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 call and response. Yeah. And as we've learned before with, uh, the best example is Adam Cole working as a heel. Like, that can obviously create this atmosphere in the crowd where it's so much fun to do that, it's so much fun to be part of that chant that you then start backing the wrestler at the expense of the baby face. And I wonder if that was situational because I didn't feel by the end of the match that there was any booze for Orange Cassidy as a baby face. And in a minute, we're about to get some to some substantial bees for another baby face mm. and they weren't for Orange Cassidy by the end so I feel as though maybe that was as a result of the fans having a bit of fun with the Kyle Fletcher chance as much as anything else and I hope it was because I don't want this like I think this reign is going to end um, at, on Sunday yeah. I think I think he's going to lose the title on Sunday but I don't want it to end um, with any kind of like acrimony between Orange Cassidy and the fans because this is, has been this really luxurious AW fans love this character understand the character and are now getting to see the character subvert everybody's expectations, just to rub it in the face of those that pretend they don't get it. Yeah, like, that's what this whole run—it's not been just for that, but that's been a key feature of this run. And I don't know—I would hate to think that like this could all end in him people being, oh, "I'm glad they've changed it because I'm bored." I want it to be, "I'm glad they changed it because they captured my anxiety at its peak yeah. and then made me feel something." Yeah, like, for whoever beats him. I, that was my worry watching this. Is mm-hmm. like, have they missed that peak? I don't think they have. I, th- I think it'll be all right. I, Maybe um, I'm, I'm, I'm an anxious guy. <laughs> this was better. Like I really enjoyed this lie too, but it was even better after the fact when you consider that um, obviously Carl Fletcher winning was just not really an option, and Tony Khan had the Aussie Open his All Elite graphic teed up. Yeah. So Orange Cassidy was wrestling a match where he had to put over his fighting spirit and retain the title, and also put over Carl Fletcher as being worthy of getting signed. He's the best champion in wrestling. He really is, and I just think like his selling. I was comparing him last night to the One Two Three Kid, like he's this tenured. Pillar, he's a pillar, right? He's a, and he's a defending champion, 21 title shots in. He's not a small guy, um, but he was looking like 1993-94, splattered on the canvas, one, two, three kid. Such was the nature of his injuries. Yeah. That man has gotten, he has fallen apart in front of us, and I think that's why the title change in something cruel like a battle royal is the perfect way to do it, yeah. to a heel especially. And I think this was like a nice capper to the reign overall. Why I... <clears throat> And we pissed ourselves laughing, right? At the next bit, it was fantastic. But just a quick note as well: whenever I watch it on Fight, and I don't know, like, if you watch it on TBS or by other maybe less legal means, right? <laughs> there are so many, like too many, four years in on the actual TV broadcast feed of backstage segments where you miss the first two sentences someone says, yeah, because it's not picked up, and it's usually quite low, and you're hearing out for it. For whatever reason, in the arena when they play this stuff through the screen, it's the loudest yeah. thing I've heard in my life. <laughs> so not only was I incredulous at how loud it was coming through the screen, it's like, what, 
Why is it not so much on television? <laughs> we had Juice Robinson and Jay White ambushing and beating up Ricky Starks, mm-hmm. who said, it's over and done with, and Jay White and Rick and uh, Robinson, Juice Robinson, said, no, it isn't. The beat him up. The beat down's quite cool. Juice Robinson is over now. Yes. His, what, what a night he had here. His screeching, his boasting <laughs> at the top of his voice, that ridiculously hammed up, like, cadence of his. Yeah. It was awesome. Was we, this... we were literally howling in the stands when he was doing this. Howling, laughing at Juice Robinson, finally getting more of the... Like, it was more as a babyface who did this sort of thing, but it's obviously a character is a character regardless of a heel or a babyface, and... He's never really got to flex some of the things that we loved about him. Like, what, 2017 probably was popping yeah. off like this? So you've seen so little of this, and it was so much fun to get it. And it brought out the best in Jay White as well. Is this a, is this a pose? Is, is this a pose? pose? It just kept mimicking the pose. And it just, out of nowhere, I think this is the most heated up Jay White and Ricky Starks has ever been. My complaint for weeks on this was, you have profoundly failed to give this story a personal issue. And now we've got one. Ricky Starks said he knew exactly what he was doing. People said he lost control, but was that the point? You see, people think I lost control. I didn't. I was in full control of my actions, and I had no problem smashing you with a chair, and I'd do it again. So they attack him. There's hatred now. Like, I want the rematch way more than I wanted the yeah, first no, match. Yeah, they never actually, established a premise. No, and now there is one. And I just, I, this was a success for this angle. And as we later found out, like, well, we were later led to assume, at least, that they'll both be in the Battle Royal. Perfect. Like, let's see some of this fight play out where there's a title on the line, but not one that, like particularly compromises anything right now. Yeah. Like, really good stuff. Really good. Oh, God damn it, my notes have disappeared. <laughs> but up next, it was um, a... Like, this is not going to be one of those, you know, if you go to a live show, you'll only get some insights from the people who were there. I think you probably heard the boos for uh, Jack Perry oh, through the boy. goddamn TV screens. Oh, boy. They, in this arena at least, did not like him. It was, mm. you know, it's a muted pre-tape backstage promo, the kind that a lot of wrestlers can cut and probably not the one that he needed to do on that night because they want to believe in him as an all-rounder who's on the level, who could be a main event talent and it feels like there's been an acknowledgement within AEW that he struggled Mm. with a live microphone so it felt a bit like cowardly maybe but then again I don't envy him, I don't envy him but regardless um, his reaction was not positive, not favourable whatsoever. He came out later in a separate segment, which we'll get to, obviously. And a lot of people did do the Baltimore. Yeah. Don't know if it was just a fun thing to do, and it's a good song. But, and again, you can't tell how many people are booing. It just felt like at least multiple people in every single area, because it was kind of like a chorus. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he was talking about his humble beginnings, driving to Vegas, and he before he went to double or nothing the first time, his life got turned upside down, and he's going to make the drive home at last on a Monday morning. Whatever, it's pretty boilerplate babyface stuff that for some reason he's doing, as is the heel Sammy Guevara in this goddamn storyline. I think that this segment, the reaction to it, coupled with something else that happened later, I understand fans being tepid to this, mm-hmm. at, like sort of apathetic, um, and that is reflected in the ratings. This felt like they were outright rejecting it, like in a way that I've not seen since WWE of the late 2010s. It w- yeah, that was. We- uh, that's probably an exaggeration. Sorry, because like it's not uh, Rumble 2015 or Hell in a Cell 2019 tier, 
but from what I ascertained from that atmosphere was people just could not be bothered with this pillar stuff. Well, let's talk a little bit about the segment because there was so much to that pillar segment later on that we can focus on, say, for example, MJF later on. But just as a point to your, to your point about Jungle Boy and that WWE comparison, later on in the night, Jungle Boy was booked to cap the segment off by holding the AW title aloft and Sammy Guevara was on a turnbuckle in the ring and the fans loudly chanted, Sammy, while Jungle Boy held the belt up. I felt pissy because I don't that's, even like Sammy either. That's the protest though. Yeah. That's the protest chant and I think that was the, pissy is the word, but I don't tend to, like we don't turn on fans for having voice in their opinions, do we? It's about booking and it's about if you want fans to react a certain way, you're supposed to book for that and obviously Jungle Boy just hasn't been that throughout the story yeah. really and I think we saw that laid bare and because it's in the same, it's not in the same building but it's just down the road at the T-Mobile you get the feeling well that's what Vegas has decided so Jungle Boy's got to work extra hard to pull them into one of his near falls now yeah. on Sunday um, and I don't think this talent MJF had a line later on that was vindicated by how people reacted to it Jungle Boy's promo that line was too funny too good like, and it's like well what the heels just said in his obnoxious voice was proven true earlier in the night. Yeah. That's the worst case scenario. Yeah, and, uh, and it was too funny it was the, well. the, the room popped. Oh, like, but I popped as well. Yeah, it was class. I really, really funny. So I popped. Uh, second like, segment prop, uh, FTR came out. We hear from FTR. Um, they basically did the usual heat you would get on Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. Burying Impact. His quote, I'm not saying this, bitch of a wife. Dixie Carter was um, referenced. Got like they got some good oohs for like got, these names. Yeah, didn't they? yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Got like yeah, that's the best. With that. Ooh, yeah. can you say that? Of course you can. <laughs> of course you can say it. Um, they got booze from somebody in my section. They did. Dax would use the old um, Graham line of broke a million guitars, never drew a dime, except yeah. changed it to broke a million guitars, but never could get relevant. Now they're trying to get relevant off FDR's name. That simply isn't happening. This summons um, Mark Briscoe comes out and Dax Howard motions to you know say come on don't be an idiot Mark shake my hand shake my hand shake my hand don't be an idiot don't let them manipulate your sort of thing and Mark Briscoe slaps the piss out of Dax Howard's (laughs) face with no delay whatsoever this man will not be insulted Mm -hmm. because he's a man and then out comes the gang Planet Jarrett (laughs) give them the name because you need to merchandise it yes because would you buy a Planet Jarrett AWT shirt? 100%. It's the best gang of all time. Yeah. It's the best gang. Jarrett, a, a genius Carney. Mm-hmm. And it's not an oxymoron because he can't be great at it, and he is. Smiles. <laughs> so wide. See so teeth wide. Seats clapping away. Like. He's so happy. And he's caught unawares because he's. The reason why he's caught unawares is because he would never be aware of an incoming threat from him because no. he's, got, he's played him. Yeah. He's, he's played that stupid Rube, and he gets slapped in the face as well. <laughs> And it's magnificent. And it's not obviously as good as the angle last week, but it establishes what to expect from Mark Briscoe as a special guest ref, which I think is important. And I've loved this feud. I think it's been tremendous. And seeing there was one fatal flaw, though. What's that? You didn't get Brie Woo. I know, but I Think get... of me, right? The guy who hates the entrance music interruption because it just makes it feel fake and staged. Yeah. Even I was like, what gives Brie Woo? I was like... Like, I didn't get Brie Wu and you didn't get Kenny Omega, but we're safe in the knowledge that we're getting both on Sunday, and thank God for that. Yeah. That was the, the, um, the idea as well. Like, I don't want to put too much pressure on this match, but I don't feel like I'm doing so with what I'm about to say. It feels like this can't fail. Like, in the building, like, what we've seen on television... There's too much good bollocks. Yeah, what you've seen on television has been so effectively presented, and it's been really well paced out, and it's never... 
It's never insulted your intelligence in the way that Planet Jarrett thought they were doing to Mark Briscoe. Not once. Yeah. And I just think right down to the go-home angle, which didn't need to be as impactful as the ones from the week prior, because we've done that. We've like laid all the story out at this point. This was about as far away from... We've done all the heat stuff, now it's time for some Wikipedia references with the pay-per-view. This was a perfect angle advancement at the last minute. Mark Briscoe, like, knows who have got his back, really. He knows that FTR has got his back, but he's entitled to be pissed off. And now we know that he's not going to take Jarrett's nonsense. And that's exactly where it needs to be pitched, because now Karen Jarrett and Sanjay Doe can be kind of difficult for Mark. If yeah. they were being his best friends, they wouldn't have the narrative justification to be difficult with him and distract yeah, yeah. him. Now, they're like... What are you doing, you stupid idiot? And all that kind of stuff. It just feels like it cannot fail. It cannot fail. And there's there's too many uh, smoke and mirror spots. Mm-hmm. There's too many like referees getting pulled out of the ring oh, by Karen Jarrett. Yeah. His face when he, that I happens. Need, I need uh, Jarrett's on his knees, double fist pump again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then go for the cover and then get to 2.9. <laughs> He's the absolute best. Uh, Ray Pax Ket uh, interviews Sammy Guevara backstage. Um, MGF had a message that he wanted to relay. Basically, the offer still stands for Guevara to lay down for a tidy sum of money at double or nothing. Guevara said, hell no, it's not for sale. Um, whole life he's wanted people to buy him out of his dreams. He likes talking about dreams a lot, Sammy mm-hmm. Guevara. It feels like uh, baby's first baby face, his act. <laughs> and it's like it's four years into his heel run, pretty the J- much. The JS got to beat him up next week. Like, because this does not, this can work, does it? And I think it will. Yeah. I don't necessarily think the uh, means justify the ends to butcher that phrase where right okay this leads to Jericho versus Sammy but to make that make sense Sammy has to go baby face and alone and on his own and mm. Jericho starts to feel like ah oh, if you think you can do it by yourself I'll show you I'll beat you up sort of mm. thing because he's never interested in the progression of his career just having a heavy basically yeah. like a little brat who can do some uh, jobs for him but yeah the crowd don't like to see the <laughs> they don't like him here and then the Boom. And then the cheer him because he's not Jack Perry later. How could he kill two baby face? Uh, a baby face. I, d- I don't even like think. This. I don't think the pillars story is. I think it's far from a disaster, and the match will be. I all think right. it's a disaster. This, I think artistically, mm-hmm. I've been really entertained by this. Mm-hmm. I've seen something from Darby Allen that I haven't seen, particularly opposite MGF and a one-on-one verbal sparring scenario. It's sort of bookend of the program, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like, I think that that's a they can do that again. Like they can't do MGF versus Babyface Jack Perry. It takes some doing, basically. Yeah. So I'm not saying it's been this disastrous WWE nonsense. I think it's been flawed. Certainly WWE logic has inspired it. Certainly match results not mattering and getting retconned really wound me up. But it's been plotted together. There's been some entertaining things. It's just what the ratings have done, the hype, the gates, and what they've done to Jack Perry. I, it's a disaster. Mm. Don't know whose shoulders the, the blame can be laid on here. Yeah, uh, maybe it's a combination of everything. But the the gotten thing is, and I've said this a million times, it's it's a noble failure. Yeah, they've tried to push four young guys like for four consistent years in the shadow of a company that tells you that your investment in anyone except top stars who've been around for years means nothing. Yeah, it was everything a lot of people wanted for a long, long time, mm. and. Maybe perspective should be maintained on that, but it just hasn't worked at all. Like, obviously, we've this will be the second time already we've like sort of jumped ahead to what MJF said in his bit. But his, as we said, you know, put the other guys over, but put yourself over more. His stirring, right? I'm gonna let's let's celebrate with you if we can. His stirring words were like so effective 
that it almost made the last like eight weeks of television redundant. Yeah, I know. He was so good at delivering the message before he got back to being the funny guy or the like prick heel or whatever that it did sort of like you know when you sometimes step back from wrestling and you're like oh, you could just do week one I'm the best no I'm the best see you then and then have nothing yeah you can't because it's weekly television yeah, and you're supposed to be invested in these stories that go up and down but the brass tax is that it could just be that if it wanted to be and MJF kind of reminded you of that was, I don't know it was all too raw a feeling of like god when he's talking he's right god damn four years what have we been doing I know. what have we been doing without when it was, ju- when it was just that right. it was just that at the beginning and it's just that now House of Black defeated Blake Christian Metalik and AR Fox to retain the uh, trios titles open house should we be honest with the listeners here? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, they didn't tell us what the rule was and we couldn't really work it out. They put something on the board, on the Titantron, and I think it was just the regular no DQs, no road breaks thing. Yeah. And they hadn't added the like the jobber's house rule. They yeah. hadn't added it, so we didn't know. And there's not really hard and fast rules on a trios match in AW to begin with, so we'll just say, yeah. oh, we've had some beers, so we'll just use that yeah. as our excuse. The lighting, right... This is the this is where the bias from the live um, perspective comes in on telly. I think it's so hokey. I think it uh, it it frames the House of Black in this sort of positive, ominous light. But the babyface is just nothing. It does nothing for them at all. Mm. So I hated it on TV and live. Oh, this is cool. This is Vegas. This is a show. It's really cool. <laughs> but my inner sort of law nerd came out here, and I was like, "No, I quite like this. Yeah, I quite too. like this." People like. So I tweeted that, and people in the replies were saying it was way better than last week. Now, I don't know if that's just last week was kind of a nightmare. You, like, it's all it's all too dark. Yeah. Where, and this week, obviously, they had the nice... Uh, I was calling the spiders in the crowd, because yeah, they were yeah, these, yeah. Like, it looked like spiders' legs. And the ring was really like... You know, Steve Austin, when I was going to his podcast, you need to light that sucker up and dark the crowd. It's all about what's on those bright lights, like the Harley Race thing. It was that, wasn't it? The yeah. ring was really beautifully lit, and the, I, just, I thought this was the... This is the compromise keep this because if like at least on television if you can see the visuals of what's going on in ring and like again I would just get rid personally I, I can understand that like he did it facing us Brody Lee doing the choke facing us and obviously facing the hard camera. oh my I don't have the button I wanted the button against that light looked even more terrifying yeah. like you were in hell and this is happening to you yeah, he's yeah. already thought it was bad enough and now this is happening to you and I think that's where that can be super effective yeah Match was actually packed. Basically, a murder with a few bright hope spots in there, but like a really great murder. Like the House of Black with their body language are so good at basically conveying a sense of total doom. Yeah. That whether it's AR Fox um, not realizing that Brody King was stood, knowing that he was about to do a move when mm. AR Fox thought that Brody King was um, like out. They did a similar spot with Blake Christian. Like that just sense of suspense and doom, and then. Of the Doom looked really cool because yeah. Malachi Black either kicked your face off of this ridiculous roundhouse. Buddy Matthews has got this V trigger where it's like, how is he nose not broke? <laughs> and Brody King just wants to get around. Like, I just love the way they register how imminently mm. and violently they're going to hurt you. Like, there's a body language act. Like, body language, greater than symbol, law. Mm. Like, the way that, yeah, they patrol the ring in such terrifying fashion. You know, we said this about. Um, the BCC are really good at doing that backstage. Yeah. The way yeah. they like round on people is really yeah. intimidating. The House of Black are the in-ring version yeah, of that. Yeah. Like when those three stand in the ring, I, like it goes without saying that they're massive, but they are um, like high-flying, high-impact, like hybrid versions of Big E's big meat men slapping meat. 
because they are massive. They absolutely monster these guys in their own yeah. ways. They're like Alistair, Alistair Black's quite lithe compared to Buddy Matthews and um, Brody King, but he looks a hundred foot tall over these poor losers. Like he looks absolutely monstrous, and it's such a brilliant act. It's it's so over as well, massively so. I, like I'm like the last guy that signs in for any of like their presentation, would be at the music. Yeah. Like there, I like these lights, but fundamentally, I wouldn't normally go for it. You know, the fiend we talked yeah. about Bray Wyatt before. Like I don't know, seeing it in person does transform. Can't us in my case can transform your opinions of it. And we said this when they were feuding with the elite. It's they are hard to tell stories with because like Malachi Black's stuff can kind of disappear up his own ass a little bit. But this team doesn't need stories for the matches to be hot. And maybe in one division that's enough. Yeah, it's bad practice across the whole show. Yeah, but, but maybe it's in good one in the division. division. Yeah, no, absolutely, I agree. Uh, another backstage um, segment. There's the video recap of the Elite's reunion last week, and then in response, Brian Danielson says they've got objectives over this weekend, the first of which is to win the ROH Tag Team titles, and the one on Sunday is to put an end to the Elite. John Moxley says that uh, they do the job the way it's supposed to be done. No one in this industry is better than they are at stepping up to the plate when it counts, and they will deliver a storm of violence. This is cool, and it gets much better. Moxley's promo stuff later. Like only John Moxley could make this his second best promo of the night. Yeah, I know. God damn, like he's, he's the best. So good. Four pillars do the face off in the ring. <coughs> uh, so it's basically MJF comes out. He's followed by, and we're getting to his promo. Followed by Darby Allen who kicks the balls and the other pillars come out and Sammy Guevara comes out to defend <clears> Alan and then when MGF retreats, Jungle Boy blocks him from the stage with his belt and then he scurries away. So that's basically the framework of the segment. And it's uh, MGF's too funny and he's too good and he's outclassed him again. Like, I'm not being funny, he comes out and he's over, he projects dark quality, again, live, that baritone. Mm. He's just born to talk. Yeah. He's got that voice where he's born to talk like the rhythm, the poise. He was just born to talk, born to public speak, born to wrestle, basically, born to be a great wrestler. And he says this line, he, he really puts them over at the start. Like he really puts them over. And whenever you see it on TV, you think, all right, okay. People like to play along when they go to a wrestling show. Mm-hmm. He gets you. Yeah. This was such a babyface promo that you think, Jesus Christ. The guy's going to be an amazing babyface one day, but he believes everything he's saying mm-hmm. here, and he's, he's got that sort of cult leader charisma where you just want to believe everything he says, yeah. even though he's proven for the last four years to be like a really disingenuous heel, snake, devil. The devil has temptations. Yeah. Like, he offers, he'll, buy, like he'll buy your soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To give you what you want. Yeah, yeah. no, he's, like, he's unbelievable. His control <laughs> of the, cloud, uh, the crowd is masterful to the point where when he said... Uh, yeah, you know, the pillars have been great. We've given you the best matches. I don't even think that's true. They've no. had some great ones. Yeah. MJF Danielson's one of the best in history in um, AEW and, in fact, wrestling history. That's what I mean, probably. he nailed the law more than any week of television yeah, I know. has attempted to. But like, there's no Hammond Page, Kenny Omega, Young Bucks. Like, those matches are, you know, CM Punk, Eddie mm-hmm. Kingston, like, there's Jericho, Moxley, there's loads. But in that moment, mm-hmm. he just gets you to believe, even if you analyze it. It's actually, no, I like that much better, I'm not much better. And then um, he changes his mind and says, actually, I'm just getting bored of this place. <laughs> it was kind of weird because when he saw the empty green seats, you were like, do you believe that? Like, uh, you know, yeah. I hope not. But um, that summons Darby Allen. They have a tete It's more of the same, to be quite honest. Darby Allen's wearing weird shoes. <laughs> I hope he doesn't wear them on. And then MGF says, you're stilts. I'm going to knock you back on the stilts you walked in on. Yeah. 
That's not the stilts you walked in, huh? That's unbelievable. Oh, the line, by the way, about Jack Perry, that was too Oy. funny. Oh, boy. That you knew anyway, because you probably watched the show, was, I want to put you into an echo chamber, echo chamber so that you can uh, bore yourself to death listening to your own voice. Oh, no. <laughs> like, if you can't have to say it, but... The building had already boot him out of it yeah. and then he says that Aye, that was rough and I that get it rough. and I get it. he's meant like Jack Perry's meant to get the nominal he wins the segment yeah. I've got your belt and I'm going to get it for good so I understand why he said that line because it fed the next bit you were meant to hate that line but people just hate Jack Perry more I don't know what's happened MJF if anything some of Darby Allen's material was more douchey oh, yeah, it was Jack Perry's on the mic earlier he, in the he, feud he was on about um, last night he was talking about like Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. AEW was giving me like opportunities to work with Tony Hawks and then other and names I didn't know from like, I'm an Aaron. The house jumping off. Yeah. Like, people, people that are big in those yeah, things. Yeah. Darby Allen's worked with them. Thanks, AEW. Like, it's just, no, MJF has got the right reasons why AEW is great. AEW is great because of everything MJF said, not because Darby Allen's been able to film jumping off his house with his best friend. That's like a nice thing for Darby Allen. But as a wrestling fan, are you not more engaged in what MJF's talking about? Like, the pillars has meant that you've had the best matches you've ever seen. Like, it's great. It's like, you are wrestling fans, and we're giving you great wrestling. Yeah. That's how his babyface act lurks underneath. I'm yeah. giving you everything you want. I hate you. Yeah, what? yeah. What? You just said you were giving me everything I want. Like, he got that enormous pop when he came out, and he threw coffee at Tony Schiavone. Yeah, no. Like, even then, he's like, well, I'll do that. Like, I, I'm not even going to give you the like the, the time for me to walk down to the ring and love me before I do something that's going to make you yeah. hate me, or at least remind you that you get both, whether you want it or not. And then the line about not being on the level of the devil. That's great. He keeps there. flipping devil around in sentences to make yeah. the line cool all over again. It's, it's, he's clasped, he's, he's above this, and 
it's uh, hopefully he recovers because his stock is taking a hit and this feud has not been it but I think there's, there must be an awareness in the company they're so on the pulse yeah. and they're looking like they're prepping Cole MGF for the material on yeah. Adam Cole given the injury could be absolutely spectacular I'll say that they're not short of um, like they're this was an observation of mine from last night. They are badly, badly in need of heels. But at least your world champion is a heel, so you've got no shortage of baby faces to try him against. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, well, we didn't. Apparently the televised audience got a vignette of Wardlow. There was a weird sort of Berenstein Bears effect throughout <laughs> the audience. Of, did we see this vignette with Wardlow They played loads of Road 2 footage in the building before Dynamite yes. started, and there was definitely a Christian Wardlow arm thing there. Yeah. But this one, because... Simon Miller had recorded his ups and downs and then was asking us about it after because I don't remember this, do you? No. No. This didn't happen in the building. Certainly it didn't happen, but according to the notes that um, people have said on Twitter, he says he's got a history with ladders and so do I in AEW because he won the face of the Revolution ladder match mm-hmm. and you know that just basically tells you they're both good at ladder matches so who's going to win? That means smart and it's fair, that's what it. it is. I think you're... Ladder match experience is a weird one, right? Because, uh, fair enough, first of Revelation match is a ladder match victory. Yeah. But like when you say about Christian or Edge or the Hardy Boys, it's because like these are like epics entrenched in law. Yeah. Shawn Michaels, right? The two against Razor. And there's other examples. Like, one, one win. Like, i got a history with ladders. You can climb. Like, I've got a history with ladders too because I've, like... I have to like when the kids were little. I had to climb up to get them when they're in the soft play. Yeah, I've got I've got a history with ladders. Like it's the thing is that gimmick, that's a hard law to it is to own, particularly since the ladder match is now so prevalent. Yeah, like, everyone everyone's got a history with ladders. <laughs> Could work like three matches in the NXT. I work sixteen ladders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true though. Isn't it? It's just too many of them. Like too much my bloody half. Um, what was uh, but again, like just so we're not complete dicks. Like, I love this angle. I think, well, I think, I think Wardlow's yeah. back. Arn Anderson's made Wardlow brand new, yeah. and this match is going to rule. And Christian Cage is awesome. He's a bit. It's going to be class. Um, Ty Valkyrie defeated Lady Frost. Um, my take on this um, was I thought this was a decent match. It wasn't blow away great, but I thought they put something together that was solid, mm. which I'm not really into, but live, you know, it's fine. We heard some, um, like, a bit of. Uh, disdain towards Ty Valkyrie's work in the crowd from some people near us. Yeah, I don't back that. Like they were critical of her sort of like her in ring being like too slow and performative. And I, I, the match went too long. Would be my criticism against that for what they were trying to achieve. Her. I understand that you want to give Lady Frost like a big night, and she got one actually. I think people are like sort of athletically very very impressed. Yeah, she's got that. She's not anywhere near this good. But she's got that pack kind of movement, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like and he like took a, snap intense athleticism. He took a while to make some of those rotations count. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I think when he when he did, like it all clicked into place. And I think you kind of you see that in her early. But the story isn't there. The need for this to go ten minutes wasn't really. They could, there. They could, could have done the same get, thing in half. You get the same match, couldn't you? She was physically dominant, and like, yeah, the physical uh, the story basically was Taya Valkyrie was more physically dominant, but then Lady Frost with her athleticism and her sort of enthusiasm to show out on her first big TV match really got into the match. This kind of infuriated Taya Valkyrie, who just shopped the piss out of her, mm-hmm. and it was very loud. It was like really quite vile, and it was great. Yeah, um, so it was kind of like a. Young Lions match, if you mm. want to talk about structure, of this person is showing something I didn't expect. I'm going to exert my veteran prowess to be really nasty and put them in their place. That's what this was. And I think it was a better idea than just doing a simple squash because it would be patronising otherwise. 
to just have a waste of time, quite frankly, particularly when you have emerging prospects like Lady Frost who can come and do a job, or at least try to, to just have a two-minute squash match. Mm. It's the most basic storytelling imaginable, so I'm quite glad that they flipped the script to some extent. In the absence of where we typically um, bury this division with ladies' night, I will just say what we were talking about this morning. There are two singles matches at Double or Nothing that don't have a stipulation, and those two are both women's title matches. Yeah. Every other singles match is stipped up. These ones aren't. Um, and you know, I'm not going to go into like a big rant about the women's division now because I think on the night both matches could actually deliver. But the fact that like neither Tony Storm versus Jamie Hayter or especially Jade Cargo and Ty Valkyrie is stipped up in comparison, it's kind of criminal because in this one in particular, the story was first contract beef, and for the rematch, it's Jade Cargill staring at her on the ramp. Yeah, no. Nah. Like, and I just think, considering there's no there's no ladder here, there's no frigging ex ECW legend randomly inserted as an enforcer here. Yeah, there's nout. And what have you got to back them up? Standing on a ramp. Yeah. It's, I just think it's pretty. It's pretty sham. It's it's not on, is it's it? It's very not, not good form. Very poor. Uh, we get the collision announcement. Tony Khan looked happy. Uh, it was the expected announcement that uh, the collision the, the collision debut will in fact happen on um, sorry at the United Centre on June 17th, is yeah. it? Uh-huh. It's, it's weird, man. Like Second loudest the building was all night, probably? Probably the second loudest the building was all yeah. night. Booming chance of CM Punk. I obviously haven't watched the broadcast back yet. I've not had time. Um, bits of it on Twitter here and there. Um, but I wonder if they did the full pan. Because that would, that would have been the ideal scenario. Mm. Looking at the arena going crazy for the rumour of he... Who was going to return? Yeah, couldn't really do that. Maybe the front row. It wasn't, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't that empty, but you know what I mean. Shout out to regular listener uh, Rat Mains who did um, reference because we were wondering in the building, and he referenced that he could see a lot of green seats on screen, and we couldn't. We were scratching our heads as to why that hard camera side in particular hadn't been just filled in with people. It wasn't a full building by half. But you could have made it a full side. Yeah, like our side. We were, we were maybe hard. they just don't like doing the thing of getting that side because maybe yeah. you bought a ticket, you've wanted that particular view mm-hmm. on us. I think there's worse things from a fan experience point of view that you're going to get at one of these tapings than having your seat moved. Oh Jesus <laughs> Christ! We'll, we'll get to that. We don't want to be too grumpy, but my no. God, we will get to it. Um, I saw some monster monster pop by the <clears> standards of that crowd anyway in that building for the very sort of explicit tease of CM Punk and it's weird I understand right that there's going to be two rosters to accommodate CM Punk and to keep him away from his enemies <laughs> which is an entire roster full of people the AW graphic CM Punk doesn't address his enemies yeah no. <laughs> CM Punk versus Dynamite that's basically where we are at right now and I understand right they're going to keep them separate hopefully it's, there's a four times per year or six including all in mm. Six times per year exception, where it's like, right, you're going to just have to see each other or pass each other or be in the same building as each other. We'll, you know, separate locker rooms, whatever, will make it work. Because like, yeah, you can't be doing some yeah. B-level split roster pay-per-views. All of that said, if you're in the elite and there were people in that faction on this show hearing that, it's like, well, I hate it. <laughs> yeah. I absolutely hate it and I don't want to hear that. Oh, what the just the response? Yeah, just yeah. Chicago gets that. Yeah. If you're like the young bucks and you hear that pop, you're thinking, "Yeah, I'm trying hard. I'm gonna work like a really violent match on Sunday." Like refresh WrestleTix this morning, and then throw the phone. Yeah, yeah. 
It's just all, like all of these things, like these tiny little moments, might add up. yeah. These mm-hmm. tiny moments might add up to just fuel this resentment and to create more of it. Um, backstage, get an interview between um, Hangman Page. It's Marvez asked him the question about the uh, what's his status with the friendship with the uh, Young Bucks, and he said like, "Love the Young Bucks, always best of friends, even though it hasn't been that way for the last few years." Him and Omega were different, um, but he views them as family, and uh, they find themselves at anarchy in the arena. Try to take my eye, Matt's arm, Nick's shoulder, and somehow cost Kenny Omega, Don Callis, not that he's bothered, a double or nothing, the BCC will pay in blood. I think Howland Page has done better work, but it was too short to be worth analysing. Yeah, a quiet night for the elite, which makes you think they're going to hope the work stands up for themselves on, like, selfless, in a way, yeah, yeah. like, if we're going to babyface that, like, selfless because they didn't, and the, I would say apply this to the Young Bucks later on, like, kind of minimalist approach from the elite side of things. Yeah. But they've, they've done their big bit. Yeah, that was their last week. They've given this the BCC, so the stakes are level going yeah. in the arena. Can't fault it, but it wasn't like I was expecting the big bully brawl. Wasn't massively backing them coming out of this show. Yeah, that's, no. that's a, a sort of. Oh, yeah. The match will be. They work me into it. They will work me into it. The well, match. we've been promised it by the guy yeah, that lies. So like, and uh, we get a contract <laughs> signing next, um, but they specifically say it's obviously not a contract to agree to the match because yeah. it's not sanctioned. It's to you know. <clears throat> Say that no one's like liable or whatever. A whole harmless to right. use WWE's terminology on it. Um, so it's Cole, it's Jericho, and it's kind of weird, I think, that Cole, who I don't care about his size, I'm not an idiot, I don't um, enjoy a version of 1980s wrestling that didn't actually exist, I'm not one of those weird guys. <laughs> But when he does mock the adjacent threats about breaking bones, yeah. it's a bit weird because I don't believe he can do it. But crucially, I believe he thinks he can do it because his verbal performance here was great. Mm. He was very over in that building. Um, Chris Jericho, in response, um, he gets a big pop for saying, sign it, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and then everyone chants, bitch, 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 Jericho, who says, I'm not a bitch. I don't come from Las Vegas. Got him. It's, it's great. It's a stupid cheap pop. It's the easiest improvisation you'll ever do. And I don't think anyone from Las Vegas was there last night because everyone just comes <laughs> from different places to come to Vegas. JS um, as clowns, by the way, just for background entertainment. Oh, it works. Fantastic. They're so good. I do not appreciate that on television, but seeing their live, I couldn't take my eyes off whatever they were up to. Their Inspired. stupid outfits, yeah. like Garcia's faces when Cole was saying stuff, yeah. like it looked mortally offended. Like, that's an act that maybe time will be kinder to. I think so. Uh, I'm starting it looked to think so. great yeah. aesthetically as well. I got it way more, like seeing them in the flesh than I've ever had done. Which says something maybe. I don't know, like they yeah. maybe don't project it quite as much, but a lot of fun to see that live. Yeah, so Jericho again touches on what he's been saying on commentary by saying, like, how could you just sit there and watch? And he, was ha- he was handcuffed. He was meant to be handcuffed. And Cole's having none of it. He says, like, they kind of go nose to nose. Um, and Jericho putting together a custom made video when he knows that Cole can't touch him where they just kept looping the shots over yeah, and over yeah, yeah. like what can we do to neg him when he can't hit me yeah, yeah. Like, that was a good like in, you, you could believe in character we joke about Kyle O'Reilly makes the tapes the yeah, night before yeah. that's the one you can believe Jericho like get me the footage again again yeah, yeah, yeah. He, can't, he can't do anything in response again and he's, and he's a sports entertainer he is so yeah. it's fine you're allowed to do WWE tropes because they've sort of written themselves to do it uh, there's one more bit that I was going to say oh, you should have mentioned the line right because on Rampage when <clears throat> the that angle with Baker and Saray had just happened 
Chris Jericho was like, can you believe a man the caliber of Adam Cole who wouldn't even save his woman <laughs> from getting beat up in the ring and it's just a classic Jericho, like you prick. Like sometimes you're not good and then sometimes you're the best and then sometimes you just pop us like this. Yeah. Why don't you save his woman? He should have just done it again. Should have just done it. I love him sometimes. That's that elite one for the day. You know what I want. You know what I want. I want my baby back there. You want to say his woman? Um, so he says, um, why did it all happen? Cole says, could be because Jericho's a scumbag, because he believed he's invincible. You find out on Sunday how invincible Jericho truly is, and then Jericho says that, well, you talk a big game, but it's unsanctioned, there are no rules. I've got five with me, and you've got two. That's not true, because he's got the best amigos, mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's got... Keith Lee. I didn't think of that, yeah. And it's very loose. I didn't consider everyone was in the building was going, is Carl O'Reilly about to come back? Yeah. I didn't even consider the actual friends they've established. That's the thing they've established because they're obsessed with this kind of storytelling and this way of prolonging the big matches, basically, that they write themselves into corners. Hmm. And you can't. Then he gets himself out with an insane cameo. Yeah. (laughs) So what happens here, right? And I love this so much because it's stupid and it's insane. Is that. In order to tie up the plot hole of Cole's probably going over, but Chris Jericho could, he's well within his rights in the context of the match to say, right, there's going to be five yeah. members of the JAS just beat up Adam Cole because mm. he's only got one mate, even though he hasn't, and um, we'll just win in five minutes. So to tie up that plot hole, Tony Khan books Adam Cole to have a mate who's functioning <laughs> as a special guest enforcer and it's Sabu what? it's so surreal like in any context seeing Sabu on a on AEW programming is a bit nuts it's one of those where it's like it shouldn't be because Tony Khan probably idolises him yep. from his era of he, fandom he probably cannot believe he's got the opportunity to book him when anyone can like, uh, <laughs> anyone can. like Tony Khan will be doing like the press conference hug Guys, it's Sabu doing the point. Like, Honestly, I was too. I was the thing was going with the air. I was like, I was as, the, as the original one. He's got the best music. Oh, it's ever. So unbelievable. That's so that, good. That draining saxophone is unreal, it's isn't so it? So good. Oh. So ominous. It's amazing. And Sabu comes down. I pop my tits off. <laughs> Don't do the lights off. It's ridiculous. And all I could think about was nothing. I just kept doing that. Sabu, because it was. Sorry to go, you know, match striker, but it was, it was a mark out. It was. It dropped off. I was kept looking over. I was like, I wonder what Taz thinks. I've watched it back here. What, yeah, what, yeah. what has a law? Everything. My, my past. <laughs> like that. And then, why is Adam Cole made just sub? Can like, you imagine them hanging out? No. Never. Like, uh, in fact, there's two, there's no two different wrestlers I can no. imagine. You know, like, with that bit we sometimes do, like, i got a friend, and I think you know the guy. Like, leave a gap. Right. Let the time play the game. Who's the guy? You could name a hundred wrestlers yeah. before you get, and I think you know the guy. Sabu? No. Like oh yeah, he always wanted to join the Undisputed Era. Yeah, yeah. Like Sabu's game, but it's yellow and black. Yeah. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> Do that. Yeah. Comes out, throws the chair in Daddy Magic's face. He's up for it. Daddy Magic's well, yeah. probably asked for it. Like, come on, do it on my face. Like, what if Sabu Sabu could do a sting run? Oh my god. I don't think he can. I don't think he can do anything. Who have we had that's like been a like one homicide is probably a good one for a Grand Slam. Like these insane one night cameos that go down a storm. Yeah. And then just 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 leave it. Yes, yeah. that was great. Preserve it in Amber and let's never speak of this yeah. again. This was one. And this, along with the Orange Cassidy international title match, was what I was describing at the start of the yeah. podcast. This is the dynamite experience and Tony Khan deserves a lot of credit for curating a wrestling show that can open those doors. Like this door's kinda of more forbidden than the new one. It's like a, how's how's he how's an AEW dynamite? <clears throat> 
um, bucket list. Yeah. You want a five-star match on TV. Yeah. You want an all-timer promo. You want some Sabu-adjacent <laughs> insanity. Yeah. Like, loads of blood. Like, a death match. There's, like, loads of yeah. different things. we got two of them, I think, definitely. Um, so, I, Sabu. <laughs> we're mental. We went mental at what you meant to do. It was. A, you know, the building liked him, and I think that was... Um, there was something nice, and AW has obviously been phenomenally successful at harnessing this. Um, I like going to WWE shows a lot more than you, but I like. Oh, Clash of the Castle ruled. With aye, there are, there are obvious exceptions, right? But WrestleMania thirty five on board. Yeah, right. So like, I, I can still have a good time at these ostensibly quite dull WWE shows. But one thing you really noticed, and I think Savu is a good example of this, is like, and this is okay. Time Zaro marches forward. The crowd profile at the WWE show has changed. And not every legend is going to get the guaranteed pop that we would. Yeah, yeah. I remember Sid working Heath Slater. It that, was. That was one yeah. thing. I was like, why is that crowd not going ballistic for Sid? It's Sid. Sid. Like, he means so much to me. But, like, it, it's okay. People get older and people have their different favourites. Like, Sabu was, like, bringing the rock out at a WWE event. Yeah. It means that much to an age profile without any... There's no videos, there's no history package. They've taken a gamble on the rough age profile of enough people in that building. We had a child sat in front of us and a child sat behind. But, like... I would say probably 90% of the fans in that building were our age, and like you could tell by the t-shirts and the reference points and yeah. stuff. AEW has used that to its terrific advantage for stuff like this. Like he still, Tony Khan still knows that his audience mostly wants what he wants. Yeah, I don't look forward to the days that that changes. Yeah, two four years, I think he'll still, yeah, he'll still do it. Uh, so spinning off from that, um, Roderick Strong and Daniel Garcia are already in their attire because they're having a match. It was just sort of like nicely sort of transition to that match. Honestly, I don't think this approached the ceiling, which was like an exceptional pro wrestling match. Mm. It was really good, but it just felt like sudden. People didn't get time to get hyped for it because it was just announced five minutes before showtime and you barely got like entrances or whatever. And it felt like they were working through an advert. I haven't seen the broadcast, yeah. but it felt like at times they were doing that. But at the same time, I loved this. The chops were just vile. Garcia hamming it up in his selling of them was great. Yeah. Him trying to do the stuff that he did at the start of his run, and now he's sort of made it ironic. You know when he first started, he was like sticking his tongue out and being intense. And it's yeah. like, that's not very good. <laughs> but you're really young. And now he's got this incredible like flamingo dancer character. And now when he can do the biceps and the tongue out, it's to pretend to be hard. Oh, and he's like, no, that really hurt. That was so great. Like, that that really, yeah. really hurt. Like Garcia is absolutely outstanding at his craft. Between that general story of if you just stop dicking around, you could really start to compete mm-hmm. instead of getting beat in most matches. And so there's a lot of that story. And then once he really got into it, there was a beautiful sort of um, dragon tamer mm. transition. So there's some lush wrestling here in between the, the strikes. There was a uh, Roddy Strong backbreaker here that popped me as much as like a Vikingo move in the Omega <laughs> match yeah. because he's just propelled him up to the rafters made him fall down and just got him in the spine. It's it looked great. He's such a great live in-person wrestler, Roddy Strong, isn't he? Yeah. Not that he's not great on television, but yeah. like, there's something else to seeing him go when he's like in backbreaker form. It's just, it's terrifying. It's absolutely horrifying. It's a chair shot to the head of a move. He's like, got his the best chop in wrestling because there's, there's, there's Gunther, mm-hmm. like there's Drew, and there's Ishii, there's Osprey. Yeah, Osprey's a good one. Roddy Strong and Jay White are up there as well. Like, yeah. Jay White's against Commander. I, I didn't have chop battle in like my note, like my sort of expectations and notes for this match when we saw the graphic and yet we got an incredible one. Yeah. Here as well, 
this was the match where I noticed it the most. Isn't AEW's, like, we'll need more tech-savvy people to explain this to us. If you've ever attended these shows live, the mic in the rings is so odd. Because sometimes the chops were so loud, it felt like they were being wired through the PA. Yeah. Like, you could hear, there was almost like an echo off the back of a chop. Aye. Rather than hearing the slap of skin on skin that you get in the building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, it, it was imperfect, but the ones that seemed to catch those microphones... No, mate, yeah. I know. They were incredible. Absolutely unbelievable. So, yeah, uh, Strong gets the win. Fans aren't really into this match as much as you'd think, but no. I think that was more, um, you know, on the, the general atmosphere. And, all right, we'll make the most of it, even though there's lots of empty seats here. That was the general gist. Yeah, there's a bit of that. You know what, I'll tell you what as well. Um, we'll talk more about ROH in the next podcast, um, but there was a, that feeling of, all these matches aren't really working to really unglue the crowd. Actually, no, Brian Cage versus Buddy Mac did. But it was still a bit like, this feels like a WWE house show in the UK atmosphere. Mm. And then when Cassidy comes out and does Cassidy stuff, it then starts to emulate a proper dynamite. So just another excuse to put over Orange Cassidy. Yeah. Because he's the absolute best. <laughs> um, we get a video package of Willow Nightingale winning the end, uh, New Japan Strong Women's title, defeating Money. Money, notable for notable money. Yeah. It's noble in it, isn't it? Why would you, if you've got her in the back pocket, mm-hmm. albeit injured, would you show her getting beat the first time? That's true. I think her face appearing on the screen got another huge reaction, though. So people could, inf- people want- yeah. people wanted to infer that that time was coming, and that was quite exciting. Yeah, Willow Nightingale was great as well. I was in the battle, da, 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 da. and I won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lovely way to That's deliver just that. Just the best. Yeah. Just so good. Uh, and the main event was an authentically excellent Dynamite main event where it wasn't like four and three quarters or anything like that, but it was just fast head drops, like really, really competitive. They were really working their arses off. Mm. Lung-bursting sprint. And I had a blast with this without yeah. thinking it was one of the best matches in company history or anything of the sort. But what I really liked about it as well is that it was one of those where if the bell times like one hour 46, so you know they've got... 12 minutes in an angle, there or thereabouts, so you're thinking, right, you have to work furiously. It's a very simple story of the Lucha Bros realise that Claudio Castagnoli, from bitter experience from Phoenix, is really hard, really big, and really strong. Let's just do our stuff instantly, really quickly, Mm. and just try and sort of subdue them into getting something out of this. And what I liked about that is that it tightened the Lucha Bros act up. The Lucha Bros are a great, probably already legendary tag team. There are certain times when they can do the zero miedo thing a bit too much. Yeah. There are certain times when they try to do really ambitious double teams, like the wheelbarrow stuff. That If that doesn't come off, it looks bad. Mm. But this match length and the match story and the fact that they have to get the angle in at the end just really focused them. And you got the best showcase of Lucha Brothers. Like, their stuff live is mint. Yeah. It's so good. So good. You can't really see them lurking for when to do it either because they are kind of like practiced in the dark arts of like hiding in plain sight. Mm. So it all felt exhilarating. Like it only for a split second was like, oh, I'm going to get that awesome um, Canadian destroyer that Penta does yes. when he jumps off the back. And it's like, oh, they're going to do it. Oh, they did it. Absolutely <laughs> class. And Claudio took it. Of people, that was class. And then, yeah, the finish um, is that the BCC look like they're going to win mm-hmm. the heels. And uh, the dastardly baby faces the young bucks, <laughs> prevent the heels from winning fairly. Yeah. Just it was, wasn't it? It was, yeah, yeah. And then the Lucha Brothers win. Aye. And then the young bucks scarper into the crowd as the baby faces. Optically, this is weird Aye. all over the place. Um, I don't know if they were trying to say, all right, well, there's four of you 
and only two of us for some reason. Mm. It was just odd all around as a scene. And then John Moxley saves it by coming to the ring. And my God, it's so weird that there was an element of taking him for granted in 2022. I was like, oh, Moxley gets the title. That's not CM Punk. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? There was a bit yeah. of that. In the best year of his career, no less, when he came down and grabbed that mic, I was just like fixated yeah. on this like demigod of a, the promotion and in its law. And he says that... Uh, while you've still got your teeth, smile now. You'll not have any come Sunday. We are going to wash you. And FaceTime your kids FaceTime while they can still see your teeth. While they can still see your teeth. Yes. <laughs> We're going to wash the sidewalks with you on Las Vegas Boulevard. Um, we are going to beat you up and reveal yourselves to be amateurs in the most violent match in AW history. What are they going to do? We'll save it for the preview pod, but yeah. I've got a spot to make true that promise. John Moxie's a god. Like he said, buckle your goddamn seatbelts, and I punch the air. Yeah, and, I, and you know, it, both and doing that. Like he's a heel, and as you say, the young bucks in the crowd, odd choice. It felt like a twenty twenty one. That's kind of thing he would have said in that feud of the bucks in twenty twenty one. Him and Kingston, yeah, the working men. So yeah, so weird. The um, the, I did like uh, it's the young bucks. It's all very clowny, isn't it? Like they grab the legs from under the ring. They posted like a selfie of them under the ring from earlier on on Twitter, which is quite good. But they grabbed um, Claudio's legs, so they're holding on, and then he can't get into interfering, and then obviously they yeah, lose. Yeah. But then did you see, obviously, by the ring, they just kept hitting him with super kicks. And I'm not even sure if yes. the cameras were picking that up or picking up the match, yeah. but they were just spamming him on the floor with super kicks. And that was like, that was quite entertaining because that was quite anarchy in the arena. It's yeah. like, got a moment here. Bang, 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 it's bang, bang. Kill bang, bang. this monster. Machine gun him with super kicks. It's this. Kevin Steen described him as he's a human horse. He's a huge he's at the moment as well. Unbelievable shape at the Aye. moment. Jesus Christ. He's quietly been awesome in AEW. He has. He's he been has. great and um, so much great stuff. Before we wrap up, what else did you see that we don't think happened um, on camera just as the credits must have rolled on Dynamite? Uh, oh, God. So I. The BCC. So funny this. I loved it so much. The BCC are in the ring. <laughs> and Brian picks up uh Willie uh, and like he's selling from the match, obviously. And then he just gets in his face. So Willie Uta put his, his hands behind his back and his chin forward, and Brian just slaps him as hard as he can. And no style. Like Willis Uta's face has gone red raw. We can see it from where we're sat. And then Not even on telly. And then he's like, Willie Uta's clearly like intensified this is like Dude, again, and Brian like hits him again even harder. And then like picks him up. Oh, you got it, kid. Get up. And then like as they were leaving the ring, you see Brian kind of put an arm around him, like, you're right. Yeah. Because yeah. he absolutely leathered him. It was, it was so, so funny. So was, really good in character stuff, because Willie then like screamed in, he's like, Oh the bitches is on then he like Because I was about to draft a tweet and you just went, Slap a beauty, slap a beauty. I was like, Yes, he is, it's awesome. It's rules. It's you know what it is? It's when um who was it that mocked I think it was when they were baby faces, but somebody was like, oh, in, in your sweaty, weird gym or something. It was the hangman. That's so... The BCC act is so earnest that it's right for taking the piss yeah, out yeah, of yeah. And it's stuff like that that makes it so... Like, as villains, now, more baby faces should be going for that. Like, you weird freaks. You weird freaks. Yeah. Each other. Like, it's plaster. Honestly, I had such a great time for the two of uh, <laughs> Look, we, like, it's... Uh, we couldn't obviously fit him on the plane but that's the elephant in this room is we've kind of alluded to it in the intro and we'll maybe talk a bit more about it on the Rampage preview but just Dynamite was amazing like Rampage review I'm not previewing it Rampage preview I've been Rampage, I have seen it Rampage preview excuse me review review 
we're doing? Pre- I'm not previewing Rampage. Oh yeah, we can't preview. Sorry, yes, we're yeah, going to be, we're gonna, we're gonna be doing a Rampage review and we'll discuss it a little bit more there because I feel like it's relevant to it. Ring of Honor stuff is probably not yet to air so we don't want to spoil things to people but it's long like, and it's, again, we're very mindful of not only like our privileged position to be over here for work purposes. In, in general, having it anyway. Yeah, like to be able to attend a Dynamite when like the UK, as evidenced by the All In Sales, has waited for so long yeah. for this. Um, so that I never want to sort of, it's come across like, oh, they went over there and the miserable sods left early or what, anything like that. It's too much wrestling. Too it's, much wrestling. We were there last night. We'll talk about more in depth on the next one. Yeah, um, but like we were there last night and you're very quickly doing the maths and realising you would now not go to one of the two night WrestleManias and be in the building as long as you yeah. are for that. And everybody said the old WrestleMania was too long. Yeah. And knew it and lived it. And it just, I know that it's content. And I know we're kind of stuck with it, but from a fan experience point of view, and that's where we're trying to approach this from. Yeah. You bought a ticket, you're going to go watch AEW, it's got this attached, and it's got this attached, and it's got this attached, and you have your right to leave whenever you want, you know, as we all do. That fan experience can and often probably is tarnished by the way that these like shows, the way they go on, and the Rampage experience, the whole thing. It's all tied in. It's as part of the problem as anything else, yeah. I think, the way that these shows are. You want it to feel like it's not going to end? Yes. Oh, is this a main event? Oh, I'm good. Get up for it, though, because yeah, yeah. you'll, like, uh, yeah, I think that definitely, definitely plays a part. But for the two hours at least, and for some of the rest of it, it's not going to be a miserable yeah. podcast. We had an absolutely phenomenal time. Um, thank you again so much for supporting the podcast over the years to, in fact, enable this sort of thing to happen. Um, if you haven't subscribed already and you haven't followed us over the years, you can do so at, um, well, basically... Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, so subscribe to us, and we will do a Rampage review. Yep. That will pretty much drop. We'll schedule it just before the show ends, mm-hmm. so we can keep it spoiler-free. And then you can listen to the um, review pretty much as soon as you finish watching the show um, on Friday. We kind of recorded that one first, because we were just so excited to get to it. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. All, that's in the we'll can. check the time. I've got any idea, but I think it's been preempted again. I think it's Saturday again this time, because Matt Hardy... Saturday at midnight or something. One of the wrestlers, it might have been Matt Hardy, said, tomorrow, in reference to Double or Nothing. Yeah. And I don't know, I think that might have been either. Ah, so uh, yeah, it must be. Yeah, Saturday I maybe, so Saturday. yeah. I will make sure we don't put it out a day early and spoil it or anything like that. Yeah, but, um, other people outlets do, but when I'm going to... It'll be there to drop. It'll you'll, be there to drop, it. we'll yeah. find out. So yeah, stay around for that. Um, let us know what your thoughts on Dynamite were from a TV perspective perspective and um, you can do so under the link to this podcast at what culture wwe on twitter whilst you're there you can follow uh michael hamflet at michael hamflet you can follow me at m cedric once again thank you so much for joining us we're having a blast see you soon when you make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer it streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.